Welcome to Grapevine, brought to you by the Great Yarmouth and District Talking Newspaper Association. This is volume 40, number 47, and online edition number 36, recorded on the 27th of November, 2020. In this week's news. Fresh bid to knock down village pub to make way for homes and shops. And Model Village cancels Christmas event over financial fears and the safety of visitors. So, here we go. Hello, I'm Margaret and I'm here to bring you this week's news, good or bad. Apologies as my trusty trio of Dusty, Margaret and Julie aren't with us. I'm keeping to government guidelines and not going to visit with my portable recorder. But fear not. They will return. Dusty has a message for all of you. She's thinking of all of you grapevine family and says, keep well, keep safe. Fresh bid to knock down village pub to make way for homes and shops. A fresh bid is being made to demolish a former village pub and replace it with shops and homes. The first and last in Ormsby St Margaret shut eight years ago and there have been a string of bids targeting homes for the site. Permission has already been granted to convert the pub building into a house and add three homes to the plot which sits at the entrance to the village near a busy roundabout. The new plan from Yare Housing involves bulldozing the pub and building two retail units with flats above on its footprint. Elsewhere on the site there will be two detached houses with separate garages and a terrace of three cottages. A previous bid to demolish the pub and replace it with four properties was turned down for character and heritage reasons. Two people have raised concerns over the new application and the proposed mix of residential and commercial. One person said all efforts should be made to retain outdoor space in the COVID-19 era, the premises most recently being used by the Yankee Traveller and its Airstream Mobile Burger Takeaway, which saw picnic benches spring up in the car park and the old pub painted blue and strung with lights. Catherine Went, chairman of Ormsby with Scrapby Parish Council, said it's always been the council's long-standing wish that the pub building was preserved. Although members had not yet discussed the scheme, she had advised everyone to look closely at the plans. We've had so many applications for that building. It's gone on for years and years. The parish council would certainly not want it to be demolished and the pub closed in 2012. It was put forward as a community asset in 2015, but the bid was unsuccessful. In December last year, it was hit by fire. Four fire crews rushing to save the derelict building, described as an eyesore. Then in February, it came up for sale at auction, securing a bid for £324,000, which failed to make the reserve. The following month it made a return to the sale room, this time with a lower price guide of between 280,000 and 300,000 as opposed to 300,000 to 350,000 pound previously. Comments on the latest proposal are due by December the 8th. And this headline says um, arrests. Three men have been charged with supplying cocaine after police made seven arrests in a coastal village. Great Yarmouth Police thanked and reassured Hopton residents following a visible large police presence in the village on Friday. They said, Officers would like to thank and reassure the residents of Hopton-on-Sea. This incident resulted in seven people being arrested on suspicion of being concerned in the supply of Class A drugs. 
there is no ongoing risk to the public. Following the arrests and initial investigation by Operation Moonshot, four people have been released under investigation and three people have been charged and remanded in custody for possession with intent to supply cocaine and being concerned in the supply of Class A cocaine. Three men are due to appear at Norwich Magistrates Court today. Well, that was last Thursday, I think. Now, a model village on the coast has cancelled its Christmas event over concerns about financial viability and the safety of visitors and staff. Santa Claus will not be visiting Merryvale Model Village this year after its owners decided to keep the attraction closed until February half-term next year. Normally, the miniature village on Marine Parade in Great Yarmouth would stay open until Christmas Eve, with visitors enjoying festive stalls and children queuing up to see Father Christmas. But owners Frank and Francis Newsom announced they have made the extremely hard decision to stay closed for the remainder of this year's season due to the impact of the pandemic on both finances and the safety of staff and customers. Please accept our sincere apologies to anyone who was hoping to visit Father Christmas this year. This was not an easy decision for us to make, they said on Merryvale's Facebook page. We hope to see you all again in what we hope will be a much brighter 2021. The attraction employs seven full-time staff, including the owners. All are currently on furlough. Mr Newsom said, We feel more like we've let down a lot of our customers, but in the circumstances we thought we've made the right decision. We've had a lot of inquiries asking about bookings to see Santa, but we couldn't confirm any bookings. That was another reason for making the decision. The model village has been putting on Christmas events for the past three years. Like other tourism and hospitality venues across England, it had reopened after the first lockdown on July the 4th. The first few weeks were quiet, but after that business did pick up, Mr Newsom said. We had a very busy September and October. Speaking to customers, everybody was staying at home, having a staycation. We'll never recoup what we lost, but we're hoping next year will be busy, he said. Fans of the miniature park reacted to the news on social media. Jemima Diab King said, We really hope to see you open again next year. Great Yarmouth wouldn't be the same without you. And Kelly Marie Smith commented, A holiday in Yarmouth isn't complete without a trip to Merryvale. Couple died of carbon dioxide poisoning, inquest told. A couple found dead in a flat on the coast took their own lives, an inquest has heard. The bodies of Alex Mills and Niraj Patel were both discovered after police forced their way into a flat on Oxford Avenue in Galston on July the 21st this year. At an inquest on Monday at Norfolk Coroner's Court, the cause of their deaths was given as carbon dioxide poisoning. Senior coroner for Norfolk, Jacqueline Lake, read from a statement written by Ms Mills' mother, Lisa Harding, which said the couple had started seeing each other three to four years ago. Ms Harding met Mr Patel on New Year's Eve in 2018 and thought the relationship was the saviour of Alex, who had a history of mental health difficulties, the inquest heard. The couple had been living together at Mr Patel's address in High Wycombe in Buckinghamshire since the beginning of lockdown. They had spent two nights in a hotel from July the 14th to the 16th and were supposed to return to Mr Patel's address, but his car was seen parked outside Ms Mills' house on Oxford Avenue, which Miss Harding thought was odd, the inquest was told. Over the weekend, concerns escalated with Miss Mills having come off social media, the curtains shut and front windows left open at her house. On July the 21st, Miss Mills' parents tried to get into the property but couldn't because there were keys on the inside of both front and back doors. 
the police were called and officers forced entry, finding the bodies of the couple who were pronounced dead at the scene. Miss Harding said her daughter had difficult times of life when things did become overwhelming for her. I feel de devastated she couldn't reach out to people who cared for her and for help and support, she said. Miss Lake concluded they had taken their own lives. She expressed her sympathy to members of both families. Now, just as a footnote here, I must feel I, I should read this out. Now, if you feel you need help and support, call Norfolk and Suffolk Foundation Trust's First Response Helpline. Now, the number for that is 0808 196 3494 or the Samaritans on 116123. Both services are available 24 hours, seven days a week. How sad that is. Anyway, something a bit nicer. Centre for Children with Special Needs praises fundraiser support. An activity and social centre for children with special needs has hailed the support of fundraisers and parents as it battles to stay open during the pandemic. Supporting families and trying to maintain respite care for those who are at increased risk from COVID-19 brings extra pressures for staff at Shine in Alpha Road, Galston. The centre provides respite breaks and after-school clubs for children aged 5 to 18 from across Great Yarmouth, as well as an inclusive nursery, accounting for some 100 children all across the services. Under the pandemic, it has had to reduce capacity and close twice because six staff have tested positive for coronavirus at various times. So far, no child has been infected, thanks to stringent cleaning and social distancing regimes that are carried out to the letter. Senior manager Karen Leggett said she was mindful of under pressure families who needed their services now more than ever, but worsening it reduced or even stopped altogether. When I've had to close, I feel like I'm letting the families down because they're already having a reduced service, she said. The main challenge has been trying to support families and stay open because I understand the families need the respite and value it. It is the emotional responsibility of looking after somebody else's child and keep, keeping them safe, she said. Working with sometimes severely disabled children was a passion, not just a job, that was demanding at the best of times. Adding in the extra pressure of the virus had made it even harder with constant cleaning and checking on PPE and social distancing. The Friday Night Youth Club, which has been cancelled due to staff testing positive, is hoping to reopen as well as the Saturday Club, both aimed at helping children to be independent and enjoy a fun environment for learning and play. Meanwhile, the Activity Centre's funds had received two timely donations one for around £1,000 from Chris Blythe, who ran the virtual London Marathon in memory of his daughter Beth, who loved attending Shine, but sadly died in 2016, aged only 19. A further £2,300 came from staff at Palmer's Stroke Beals after the store closed. Well, that's some nice news for a change. Now, I'm meandering through the pages of the Mercury and taking you right back in time to November 1958. Seems like centuries ago now when I read some of these items. Anyway, the first item that caught my eye concerned the moving of the public house, the Anson Arms, from one side of the road to another, to the corner of Gordon Road. It used to be the home of the late Mr A. Castle, and was bought by Stuart and Patterson in 1945. The building had been used as a temporary office for their employees and the ground floor by pupils of the Technical High School. Originally built in 1814 for Paget's Brewery, 
Research by the licensee Mr L Baxter showed it was first acquired by Stuart and Pattersons from the Earl of Lichfield's trustees in 1883. The builders employed on the new public house were Homes and Homes. Now I do believe that the Anson Arms is now a place where you buy children's school uniforms and also some personal history because I went to school with Mr L Baxter's daughter Christine and I happen to know that later in life um, Christine's brother John took over the Anson Arms and then he also at one stage in his life took over the feathers in Galston. Not what you know, but who you know. Now, from something opening to something closing. The headline was, No Sunday Opening of Post Office in the Winter. Sunday morning opening at Yarmouth's head post office is to be discontinued from the new year. It will close during January and May and October and December. Herring season struggles on. There was a good landing yesterday. To the 1,200 crans landed at Yarmouth yesterday, the drifters working from the port added another 920 crans. Rose Bay, the local steam drifter, which is the provisional winner of last week's herring board competition, had 70 crans. The herrings were of good quality, but many were small. Fog and mist did not delay the drifters and the weather improved during the morning. Opposition to prison plan for Blunderston. After hearing details of a £1 million proposal to build a security prison in the grounds at Blunderston Lodge, a parish meeting at Olton decided to oppose the scheme. If the Prison Commission decided to go ahead with the scheme, despite local opposition, plans will take about a year to prepare and work is unlikely to begin before 1960-61. Prisoners would be secured in individual cells and no psychopathic or sexual offenders would be held there. There would be a wall of 12 feet surrounded by an electrified perimeter fence patrolled by dogs. I find it very strange to think that the plans did go ahead all those years ago, but it has now been pulled down to make way for housing. Well, they call that progress. Now, a sad note now. This concerned the death of Father Stephen Webb, parish priest of St Mary's Catholic Church. He came to Yarmouth just after the war and was responsible for opening chapels at Caister, Hemsby and Acle which enabled country people to attend Mass on Sundays. Now I can remember the small chapel on Caister Road opposite the heliport, long since demolished, as I used to attend there with my parents and young brother and we all cycled from Newtown in all weathers. In fact, my brother was a very young altar server there. Now over 400 people attended the funeral and school children from St Mary's and St Louis Convent lined the route from St Mary's Church to Deanside as the cortege passed. And I was one of those children. St Louis Convent uniform, navy mac, navy gym slip with a green girdle around the middle and a black felt hat. My word. Right, on a lighter note now, Montgomery Clift and Elizabeth Taylor starred in Raintree County at the Coliseum and at the ABC in Yarmouth, Elizabeth Taylor again in Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Now if you wanted home entertainment, you could go into a booth at Woolsey and Woolsey and listen to your record before you bought it. Then go home and play it on a stereophonic record player for 20 guineas from Norfolk Radio. Now that was how I spent many a happy Saturday afternoon with my friends. Oh, I knew how to live way back then. Now, what else could you buy in 1958? Bachelors tipped cigarettes, one and eightpence for ten, or twenty for three and fourpence. And because Christmas was approaching, Father Christmas was due to arrive in his grotto at Palmer's on November the 29th, Lucky Dick Sixpence. 
Barwells in King Street were selling bottles of choice ruby port for 14 and sixpence, South African sherry for 12 and six, and cognac for 42 shillings. Now, what else could you buy property way back in 1958? 975 pound would buy you a three bedroom terrace house on Frederick Road in Galston, a detached bungalow at Belton for 1,850, and a semi-detached house on Blake Road that would cost you 2,500 pound. Now, and cars, if you had a driver's license, there was a 1955 Ford Prefect in excellent condition with a heater, £455. A 1955 Hillman Minx Deluxe in showroom condition, £475. Or a Lambretta scooter for £145. And just to finish with, I had to smile at this headline. Hula hooping helps housewives to keep fit. Hula hooping, the current craze among children and teenagers, has now spread to housewives. Hula hooping keep fit classes are now being held in St Peter's Hall, Yarmouth and the Station Hotel, Galston, by Miss Joy Manser. The reporter said, it's much more difficult than I imagine. The idea is to hold the hoop against your back and pull it round, then sway backwards and forwards to keep it going. After 10 minutes, the ribs began to ache. Oh, it's enough to bring you out in a sweat. Right, now, just to finish with, this is what we were listening to in the hit parade in November 1958. It's Only Make Believe by Conway Twitty and Tom Dooley by the Kingston Trio. Right, more meanderings through the Mercury next time. There 
her life Met her on the mountain Stabbed her with my knife Hang down your head, Tom, Julie Hang down your head and cry Hang down your head, Tom, Julie Poor boy, you're bound to die This time tomorrow Reckon where I'll be Hadn't it been for Grayson been in Tennessee. Well, now, boy, hang down your head, your head hang down your head and cry. Hang down your head, your head and cry. Oh, boy, you're bound to die. Well, now, boy, hang down your head and cry. Hang down your head and cry. Hang down. Well, and this is something just to lighten up the mood. And it comes from Sean. <laughs> A joke. <laughs> How much did the pirate pay for his peg and hook? An arm and a leg. Oh, I can hear the groans from here. Thank you, Sean. Not, well, at least it was clean, which is more than can be said for some of Sean's jokes. Anyway, on now with the news. And the headline is... Fund funding worth £98 million for Third River Crossing in Great Yarmouth is secured. Funding worth £98 million for the long-awaited Third River Crossing spanning the River Yare in Great Yarmouth has been approved by the Government. This follows the Planning Inspectorate's decision in September to give Norfolk County Council the go-ahead to build and operate the new lifting bridge linking the A47 at Halfway's roundabout to the port and the Enterprise Zone on the other side of the river. It is hoped the bridge will ease traffic congestion and support economic opportunities in the town and wider borough. The Council has been waiting for ministerial approval of the final business case submitted earlier this autumn in order to unlock the £98 million worth of national funds to enable construction of the new bridge following the conclusion of a year-long development consent order process. An official letter from the Department for Transport was received by the Council on Wednesday, November the 25th, which confirmed the approval of the Government contribution to coincide with the Chancellor's spending review. The project is expected to cost £120 million overall, with the remainder of funding coming from local sources. Construction is scheduled to begin in early 2021, with the bridge open for use in early 2023. Graham Plant, Deputy Leader at both Norfolk County Council and Great Yarmouth Borough Council, said, This is fantastic news and means we could now make, make this much-needed bridge a reality. Not only will it make getting around so much easier for many people currently living and working in the borough, but crucially, it will support the town's key industries, including those linked to the offshore energy and maritime sectors, tourism and manufacturing. This is more important than ever now as we seek Norfolk's economy recovery from the effects of the coronavirus pandemic. Brandon Lewis, MP for Great Yarmouth, said, This improved traffic flow will also bring meaningful benefits to local businesses, especially those in the energy sector. 11-year-old friend of the stars receives award for fundraising efforts. An 11-year-old's enthusiasm for fundraising, which sees her writing to numerous celebrities, has won her an award. Evie Sansom from Lingwood was handed the Young Person of the Year Award by Broadland District Council for her efforts raising funds and awareness for Sunbeam's Play, 
a social and activity centre for young people with autism in Great Yarmouth. Evie, who thought she was having a chat with Council Chairman Karen Vincent over a video platform with Mum Nicola, was stunned and elated to find out she was a winner, greeting the news with a sharp intake of breath and a huge smile. Sue Carr, Deputy Manager at the Centre, hailed Evie's achievements raising thousands of pounds for the charity. She said Evie, who has autism, joined Sunbeams in 2017 and was now a youth volunteer. She's an amazing young lady who loves to write and raise awareness of autism and the achievements and difficulties of those attending Sunbeams. Along with writing numerous letters, Evie completed the 2.6 Challenge fundraiser earlier this year and regularly attends fundraising events to support Sunbeams and the NHS. Through Sunbeams, Evie wanted to share her journey and reach out to others, showing them what they can achieve. With support from her mum and Sunbeams, Evie has her own monitored Facebook page called Sunbeams Play, Evie's Journey, writing regular blogs about her experience and more recently showing video clips of herself completing Sunbeams home cooking activities called Evie's Bakes. Over the last three years, Evie has helped raise thousands of pounds through her letter writing and was happy to be rewarded with raffle prizes and letters in response from celebrities and royalty including Boris Johnson, the Duchess of York, Anton Deck, Ed Sheeran and many more. We are delighted and proud to hear that Evie has won the Broadland Community at Heart Awards 2020 for the Young Person of the Year. The Broadland Community at Heart Awards celebrate the selfless work and incredible achievements of residents across the district. The Young Person of the Year Award recognises young people who have made remarkable and inspirational achievements and have shown enthusiasm and positivity. The awards are run by Broadland District Council and sponsored by the accountancy firm Price Bailey. Well, well done Evie, it's a lovely story. And this headline says, very sadly I'm afraid, Call to wear masks at hospital after visitors rude to volunteers. A hospital is pleading with visitors to wear the surgical masks they are offered at the door after a number of members of the public were rude to volunteers. Currently, anyone visiting the James Paget University Hospital in Galston has to wear a surgical mask, with no other form of mask or face covering permitted. A spokesman for the hospital said there have been several incidents in the last week or so when people entering the building have been rude to volunteers who have simply been asking them to comply with hospital policy for everyone's protection. This has been very upsetting for the volunteers involved, the spokesperson added. Our volunteers give up their time to support staff and patients and have an important and valued role at our hospital. If a member of the public arrives at the hospital wearing a different type of mask, they are asked by the foyer staff, which includes volunteers, to remove it. They are then provided with a surgical mask so they can enter the hospital. The spokesman said, All those coming to our hospital should be aware of the requirement to wear a surgical mask. If they haven't got one and are asked by either a volunteer or a member of staff, to put on a new mask, we would ask that they follow the request and respect our hard-working staff and volunteers. There are signs displayed at hospital entrances indicating that surgical masks should be worn and encouraging people to wash or sanitise their hands and observe social distancing. Last month, the hospital announced it was introducing temporary visitor restrictions with exceptions in place for children, vulnerable and pregnant patients and end-of-life care after a rise in coronavirus cases in the community. The statement posted to its website on Tuesday, November the 24th 
and confirmed a male patient in his 80s who had tested positive for COVID-19 died. It brings the cumulative coronavirus-related death toll at the hospital to 150. Well, that's a really sad story and I must admit, well, words fail me. Time for us all to work together. Officials call for united approach to Tier 2 restrictions. Officials have described the news that Great Yarmouth is to be in Tier 2 as disappointing, but said it was time for the town to unite to help bring down infection rates. Carl Smith, leader of Great Yarmouth Borough Council, said the focus was now on working together to reduce further the number of cases ahead of a review on December the 16th. Under Tier 2, no mixing of households indoors aside from support bubbles will be allowed, with a maximum gathering of six permitted outdoors. Pubs and bars will remain closed unless operating as restaurants, with alcohol only served as part of a substantial meal until 10pm. Meanwhile, Peter Jay at the town's Hippodrome Circus said he was over the moon. Being in Tier 2 meant the show could go on at the venue, albeit among strict guidelines. Lollipop Lady retires after 45 years serving same village school. A lollipop lady who worked for 45 years at the same village school has retired. Barbara Woodrow, 77, began working at Rollsbury Primary School in 1975 when her first job was boiler attendant. Mrs Woodrow even had to keep watch on Christmas Day and Boxing Day to make sure the pipes didn't freeze. And after three years, she took over with the role of caretaker. The school was smaller then, with two indoor and two prefab classrooms and a big hall. Mrs Woodrow said, there weren't many children then in those days, only about 58. Now there's at least 150. She was caretaker for 18 years and in the 1990s the school won an award for cleanliness. In the meantime, she had also become the school's lollipop lady. It would have still been there now if it hadn't been for my hip, she said. She enjoyed helping the children and towards the end of her working life, she was seeing the offspring of parents she had once helped cross the road when they were boys and girls themselves. The school was my life, said Mrs Woodrow. It was rewarding, knowing the children were safe, because the road, the A149, is very dangerous, she added. Not only did Mrs Woodrow dedicate her working hours to the school, over the last four decades she also raised £50,000 through charitable events including car boot sales, bingo at Christmas and Easter, and several walks around Winterton, Martham and Somerton. Mrs Woodrow is originally from Hemsby and moved to Rollsby in 1963. And the school held a retirement afternoon tea where she was presented with gifts from the pupils, parents, staff and governors, as well as watching a whole school Goodbye video prepared by teacher Sophie Durrant. Tracy Geimer, school secretary, said, Barbara worked tirelessly throughout her career, diligently keeping the school clean and making sure the children and families crossed the busy A149 through Rollsby safely. The school is truly grateful to her for everything she has done and she will be greatly missed by the whole school community. Well done, Mrs Woodrow, and happy retirement. Now, Broad's Study Centre is looking to reshape for post-COVID comeback. For generations of Norfolk school children, dorm living, if only for a few days, was part and parcel of a stay at a Broad's Study Centre. The fight for a bunk, sleeping with snoring, chatting classmates, and emerging totally sleep deprived for the whole of the first day was the norm for a dorm. Oh my word. However, all that could change as Howe Hill at Ludham looks to reshape its offer for the post-COVID era. Chairman Nick Price said the centre had lost much of its main income from schools 
during the lockdown and that it would have to do things differently. He said, Howe Hill has a proud history and a big place in the hearts and minds of Norfolk people. It has given many of them, as visiting schoolchildren, a lifelong knowledge and love of the Broads countryside and nature. We are determined to ensure it has a vibrant future too, despite all the challenges Covid has thrown at us and other charities. Thanks to good housekeeping by the board and staff, plus some generous donations from the public, our finances are reasonably sound and are helping us through these months of lost core income. The furloughed staff are loyal and remain committed to our work. They are keen to return when we get the green light, but we will most likely have to do things differently. A recent board meeting looked at ways of reshaping Howe Hill for the post-Covid era. Decisions have yet to be made, but they could include altering facilities in the building, such as dormitory bedrooms, and making more of our popular tea rooms, which are enjoyed by walkers and boaters moored at the nearby stave. If residential stays remained an issue after lockdown lifted, extra day visits for children and adults were also an option. Educational work stopped back in March and may not happen again until next spring. Howe Hill, originally built as a holiday home, was run by the County Council from 1967 until it was taken over by the Trust in 1984. Currently, the only regular income is donations from people enjoying the gardens. Skews are rustling from the papers, but I'm reading from my own copy of the Mercury. I'll have to turn pages. Oh, Graham, come back with your online doodars thingies. <laughs> anyway, this next article. KFC opens drive-through site, bringing 18 new jobs to the region. A fried chicken franchise is spreading its wings in Great Yarmouth with a new drive-through restaurant. KFC is offering delivery, takeaway and drive-through at its new outlet in Mitchell Drive near Tesco Extra. The restaurant area, which is closed in line with government coronavirus guidelines, has a seating capacity for 75. A KFC spokesperson said Colonel Christmas had come early to the town. A statement said, We've been working so hard behind the scenes to finally come to town with a brand flapping new restaurant, buckets full of delicious fried chicken and up to 18 new jobs for the local area. We're just so excited to meet the fans. We couldn't wait till Christmas. We're open for takeaway and drive through in line with current government guidance. But that's just for now, so watch this space. And because it's 2020, all responsibility measures are already in place, including extended hygiene procedures, perspex screens, gloves, designated kitchen zones and face masks where required to ensure our fans in Great Yarmouth can enjoy their new local KFC experience safely. Permission for the restaurant on the outskirts of town was granted in August 2018. At the time, a legal agreement was entered into to ensure branches in Gorston and Great Yarmouth stayed open. The new site off Mitchell Drive is the first KFC in the borough with a drive-through option. Graham Plant, leader of Great Yarmouth Borough Council, said, As it was given the green light, I think it's a reasonable development which is bringing both jobs and competition, which can only be a good thing. Gosh, I'm hungry now, and it's only just past breakfast time. Anyway, um, we don't normally read out letters on this online edition, but just excuse me while I just read this out, because I can. <laughs> right, and the letter starts, Still a chance to sing with us. Since March, we have not been able to run our usual Sing Your Heart Out, S-Y-H-O, weekly sessions in Great Yarmouth, and we have missed everyone. We have some sing-along videos via our website on www.syho.org 
but are also pleased to let your readers know there are still two more Sing Your Heart Out online sessions left before the end of this year. They will be on Wednesday the 2nd and Tuesday the 15th of December. Get the link through our website and join us for a 2pm start. The sessions are led by our experienced voice coaches. You do not have to read music as the voice coaches sing the words to us and we will repeat them back and we sing for fun. SYHO is there for everyone's well-being. Singing is known to improve our mental health. So if you enjoy singing, please join us. We look forward to seeing you soon. And that comes from Kate Platt on behalf of SYHO. And yes, I do think singing is good for your mental health. I have been known to belt out Queen as I'm wandering round indoors, but you don't want to hear about that, do you? Right, and I'm going to end on a feel-good news item. And this is Casey's Walking to Make Christmas Magical for Disadvantaged Children. She has already raised thousands of pounds for care home residents by walking laps of her garden. But eight-year-old Casey Hare from Hopton, near Great Yarmouth, is taking on a 10-mile coastal walking challenge to make Christmas magical for disadvantaged children, people with complex needs, vulnerable families and the homeless. The Hopton Primary School pupil said, I want them to feel the magic on Christmas Day and make them feel happy. On December the 5th, Casey will walk from her village to Caister with her mother, Emma Hare, and godmother, Kerry Phillips, and is close to raising £2,000, double her original target. Mrs Hare, a care assistant at Ritson Lodge Care Home in Hopton, said, We're so proud of her, and she's always thinking of others. Doing the fundraising has made her realise that other children are not so lucky as her and other people. Most children wake up on Christmas morning and have a magical day, but for some it's not magical. She wants all children to have a special Christmas. Gifts include toys, perfume and aftershave sets, books and selection boxes, hats, gloves, chocolate and deodorants, which will be given out by Gorson-based non-profit organisation Tribal Trust. Mrs Hare, who praised the support from the community, added, a lot of people have asked to stop and wave on the way during the coast walk. I thought it would take four hours, but it could take over six. The support has been amazing. Casey is like a little celebrity. People call her Captain Casey. Tribal Trust founder Diane Howarth said, Casey is superhuman. She's a great little girl. Casey did her first fundraiser for residents at Ritson Lodge in the first coronavirus lockdown after watching the efforts of Captain Sir Tom Moore. She raised over £3,500 in a month by walking around her village after school and doing laps around her garden for several hours at weekends. The money went towards a smart television to show pictures of loved ones to residents, three tablets, smart speakers and activities. Now you can donate um, if you search Emma hyphen dot hair hyphen one on just giving and click on the gifts for children page. And I have to just say that hair in this version is spelt H-A-I-R-E. It's a lovely way to end. A feel good factor and well done to you Casey. Right, that's the end of another week's news. Aileen will be with you next time. May I just say a big thank you to Stephen and Sean for all their help in producing the recording. Now, last week, Andrew chose two very appropriate songs with Graham in mind. Now, the best I can come up with this week is Cliff Richard, Wired for Sound. So I hope Sean and Stephen can work their magic fingers and play this record. If not, Graham, you know the words. <laughs> Get well soon. Thank you.
Grapevine, Volume 40, Number 47, is copyright of the Great Yarmouth and District Talking Newspaper Association. The content in the main is adapted from Archant Limited and used with their permission. Great Yarmouth and District Talking Newspaper Association accept responsibility for editorial decisions. So that's it. Goodbye from me. And I don't have the fine words that Dusty always has. But from me, please take care of yourself and do kind things for you and for other people. Bye for now.